ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನತಿಮಿರಂದ್ಯಾನಂಜನ ಶಲಾಖಾ ಚಕ್ಷುರುನ್ಮಿಧಂ ಸೇವಾ 
follow the regulative principles and regularly chant the holy name of the Lord. Thus a sober and faithful person who knows the religious principles is temporarily purified of all sins performed with his body, words, and mind. These sins are like the dried leaves of creepers beneath a bamboo tree, which may be burned by fire, although their roots remain to grow again at the first opportunity. In the purport, Prabhupada says, the tongue, jiwa, can be controlled if one chants the Hare Krishna mantra. This is still 6.114 in the purport. The tongue, jiva, can be controlled if one chants the Hare Krishna mantra does not speak of any subject, subjects other than those concerning Krishna. It does not taste anything not offered to Krishna. If one can control the tongue in this way, brahmacharya and other purifying processes will automatically follow. Isn't that interesting? By the restricting the tongue to Krishna Kata and Krishna Prashanam. Now we come to 15, and this is the verse that I brought up this morning during the Japa circle. Shukadeva um, Goswami is a famous verse. Kechit Kevalaya Bhaktya Vasudeva Parayana Agam Dunvanti Kartsneena Niharam Iva Bhaskara. So I only quoted the last uh, line of this Agam Dunvanti Kartsneena Niharam Iva Bhaskara. The first line says, Kechit, some people. Kevalaya Bhaktya, by executing unalloyed devotional service. Vasudeva Parayana, completely attached to Vasudeva. Then, Agam, all kinds of sinful activities, like Agasara. Uh, Dunvanti, means to destroy. Kartsnyena, completely with no possibility that sinful desires will revive. Niharam, fog. Niharam means fog and Iva, like Bhaskara, the sun. The translation is, only a rare person who has adopted complete unalloyed devotional service to Krishna can uproot the weeds of sinful actions with no possibility that they will revive. He can do this simply by discharging devotional service, just as the sun can immediately dissipate fog by its rays. And here's the purport. In this in the previous verse, Shukadeva Goswami gave the example that the dried leaves of creepers beneath a bamboo tree may be completely burnt to ashes by a fire, although the creepers <clears throat> may sprout again because the root is still in the ground. Similarly, because the root of sinful desire is not destroyed in the heart of a person who is cultivating knowledge, but who has no taste for devotional service, there is a possibility that his sinful desires will reappear. As stated in Srimad Bhagavatam 10.14.4, Shreya Shritim Bhakti Mudasite Vibho Klishanti Kevala Bhotalabdaye Speculators who undergo great labor to gain a meticulous understanding of the material world by distinguishing between sinful and pious activities but who are not situated in devotional service are prone to material activities. They may fall down and become implicated in fruitive activities. To one, if one becomes attached to devotional service, however, his desires for material enjoyment are automatically vanquished without separate endeavor. Bhakti parishanu bhavu virakti anyatracha. If one is advanced in Krishna consciousness. Material activities, both sinful and pious, automatically become distasteful to him. 
That is a taste of Krishna consciousness. Test, rather. Both pious and impious activities are actually due to ignorance because a living entity, as an eternal servant of Krishna, has no need to act for his personal sense gratification. Therefore, as soon as one is reclaimed to the platform of devotional service, he relinquishes his attachment for pious and impious activities and is interested only in what will satisfy Krishna. This process of bhakti, devotional service to Krishna, Vasudeva Parayana, relieves one from the reactions of all activities. Since Maharaj Prichit was a great devotee, the answers of his guru, Shukadeva Swami, concerning Karmakanda and Jnanakanda could not satisfy him. Therefore, Shukadeva Swami, knowing very well the heart of his disciple, explained the transcendental bliss of devotional service. The word kechit, which is used in this sense, in this verse, means a few people, but not all. Not everyone can become Krishna conscious. As Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, Manushadam Sahasreshu Kashjid Yatati Siddhaye Yatatam Apisitanam Kashjin Mambeti Tattvata. Out of many thousands among men, one may endeavor for perfection. And of those who have achieved perfection, hardly one knows me in truth. Practically, no one understands Krishna as he is, for Krishna cannot be understood through pious activities or attainment of the most elevated speculative knowledge. Actually, the highest knowledge consists of understanding Krishna. Unintelligent men who do not understand Krishna are grossly puffed up, thinking that they are liberated or have themselves become Krishna or Narayan. This is ignorance. To indicate the purity of bhakti, devotional service, Srila Rupa Goswami says in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Anyabhilashita shunyam jnana karmanyanavratam anukulina krishnanu shilanam bhaktiruttama. One should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desire for material profit or gain through fruit of activities or philosophical speculation. That is called pure devotional service. Srila Rupa Goswami further explains that bhakti is kleshagni shubhada, which means if one takes to devotional service, all kinds of unnecessary labor and material distress cease entirely, and one achieves all good fortune. Bhakti is so powerful that it is also said to be moksha laghutakrit. That, in other words, it minimizes the importance of liberation. Non-devotees must undergo material hardships because they are prone to commit sinful fruit of activities. The desire to commit sinful actions continues in their hearts due to ignorance. These sinful actions are divided into three categories, pathaka, mahapathaka, and atipathaka, and also into two divisions, prarabdha and aprarabdha. Prarabdha refers to sinful reactions from which one is suffering at the present and aprarabdha refers to sources of potential suffering. When the seeds, bija, of sinful reactions have not yet fructified, the reactions are called aprarabdha. The, these seeds of sinful action are unseen, but they are unlimited, and no one can trace when they were first planted. Because of prarabdha, sinful reactions that have already fructified, one is seen to have taken birth in a low family or to be suffering from other miseries. 
When one takes to devotional service, however, all phases of sinful life, including prarabdha, aprarabdha, and bija, are vanquished. In Srimad Bhagavatam 11.14.19, Lord Krishna tells Uddhava, Yatagni sus samriddharchi karoti damsi basmasa tatamad vishaya bhaktir udhavainamshi krishna shaha. My dear Uddhava, Devotional service and relationship with me is like a blazing fire that can burn to ashes all the fuel of sinful activities supplied to it. How devotional service vanquishes the reactions of sinful life is explained in Srimad Bhagavatam 3.33.6 in a verse spoken during Lord Kapiladev's instructions to his mother, Devahuti. Devahuti said, My dear Lord, if even a person born in a family of dog eaters hears and repeats the chanting of your glories, offers respects to you and remembers you, he is immediately greater than a pramana and is therefore eligible to perform sacrifices. Therefore, what is to be said of those of one who has seen you directly? In the Padma Purana, there is a statement that persons whose hearts are always attached to the devotional service of the Lord are immediately released from all the reactions of sinful life. These reactions generally exist in four phases. Some of them are ready to produce results immediately. Some, of, some are in the form of seeds. Some are unmanifest and some are current. All such reactions are immediately nullified by devotional service. When devotional service is present in one's heart, desires to perform sinful activities have no place there. Sinful life is due to ignorance, which means forgetfulness of one's constitutional position as an eternal servant of God. But when one is fully Krishna conscious, he realizes that he is God's servant. In this regard, Srila Jiva Goswami comments that bhakti may be divided into two divisions. One, santata, devotional service that continues incessantly with faith and love. And two, kadachitki, devotional service that does not continue incessantly but is sometimes awakened. Incessantly flowing devotional service, santata, may be divided into two categories. One, service performed with slight attachment, and two, spontaneous devotional service. Intermittent devotional service, kadachitki, may be divided into three categories. One, raga bhasamayi, devotional service, in which one is almost attached. Raga bhasa shunya swarupa bhuta, devotional service in which there is no spontaneous love, but one likes the constitutional position of serving. And three, abhasa rupa, a slight glimpse of devotional service. As for atonement, if one has caught even a slight glimpse of devotional service, all needs to undergo prayaschitta atonement are superseded. Therefore, atonement is certainly unnecessary when one has achieved spontaneous love and above that attachment with love, which are signs of increasing advancement in Kadachitki. Even in the stage of Abhasa Rupa Bhakti, all the reactions of sinful life are uprooted and vanquished. Srila Jiva Goswami expresses the opinion that the word karsnyena means that even if one 
has a desire to commit sinful actions, the roots of that desire are vanquished merely by abhasa rupa bhakti. The example of Bhaskara, the sun, is most appropriate. The abhasa feature of bhakti is compared to twilight, and the accumulation of one's sinful activities is compared to fog. Since fog does not spread throughout the sky, the sun need do no more than merely manifest its first rays, and the fog immediately disappears. Similarly, if one has even a slight relationship with devotional service, all the fog of his sinful life is immediately vanquished. Naimasharanya Prabhu, are you still there? Yes, yes, Maharaj. Thank you so much for sharing this. Now you know that's your verse, right? Yes. This was this was just appropriate. Thank you so much. Student of that verse. Kechit Kivalaya Bhaktiya is a really important verse. And the purport. I mean, it's classic. Every one of Prabhupada's purposes is classic, but this one is uh, all-inclusive in the progression of devotional service. Spoken directly by Shukadeva Goswami on the subject matter of, really it's in the context of the power of the holy name to overcome any kind of uh, sinful reactions that are there within the heart, because this is something that Parikshit Maharaj, out of his compassion for living entities, wanted to know. After he hears about the hellish planets in the sixth and the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, he wants to know how is it that the souls will be saved from this. And Shukadev then tells the story of a Jamil and indicates that by um, touching devotional service, Abhasa Rupa, just a little bit as the sun appears, if one takes to the process of devotional service following in the footsteps of the pure devotees, then the sinful reactions of one's previous lives are uh, mitigated. Nihara Eva Paskara, just as fog is dissipated by the uh, first rays of the sun that appear, it, it diminishes them. Before we go back into the seventh canto, let's just see if there's any comments or questions about this is an all-important verse. Hare Krishna, I have um, unmuted, so you can just click unmute and you'll be... Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Thank you so much for sharing this, Maharaj. The point which really struck to me was how the, the weeds of sinful actions will be uprooted with no possibility of reviving. I thought that was... That was really stark. We have we have a veggie garden in the back, in our backyard, and we keep getting weeds, and we keep pulling them out, and we get more weeds, and they keep coming. And when we pull them out from the roots, that's when they don't come. And I think this was really nice to hear that just by unalloyed devotional service, those weeds can be uprooted once for all. Are you pulling them by by hand? We are, yes. I highly suggest that you get a Mont Blanc. Okay. It's the best weeding tool that, uh, you know, if you're taking things out by hand. Hold on, I'll go get it for you. I'll be right back. It's worth, it's worth seeing this. All right, Krishna.
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Please behold the Mont Blanc. <laughs> this is a Mont Blanc, M-O-N-T-B-L-A-N-C. Can you get, can you see the teeth? Yes, yes, Maharaj. So this, uh, this tool, this you can get the roots. So when you're digging and you're trying to get an individual uh, weed out, then you put this in and it'll gra grab the roots at the very bottom and pull it out. So I was using this the other day and I was thinking how in the word mantra, you know, you've got that R mantra. It reminds me of this little hook. The mantra grabs on and pulls out, you know, from the very root of any kind of uh, anarta that's gotten deeply into the mind and heart. And um, Shaitanya Mahaprabhu said we have to be vigilant about that process because uh, there's ways in which even as one starts to water the creeper of devotional service, then there are other kinds of opportunistic seeds that sprout and they start to grow up there. So one has to be vigilant even when the creeper grows all the way back to the <clears throat> lotus feet of Krishna in the spiritual world, <clears throat> as we're cultivating devotional service, one still has to continue watering, one has to be careful of offenses, and one has to also keep weeding using the Mont Blanc of the Hare Krishna mantra. Maharaj, okay. remember, uh, yes. uh, in your previous class, you had talked about um, uh, removing the weeds and you had mentioned that the best time to do that is when there is rains. So if you can elaborate a little bit more on that, like what do we consider as rain? Is it devotee association? Well, let's just say if you went to a big festival uh -huh. and, and it's, it's like when we hear and chant by ourselves, you're getting like a light rain. As, um, you know, you sit down and you do your, your studies and things like that and you feel enlivened. But when you go and you get association with very advanced devotees and you hear and chant for three, four days or a month in a row, then this is like a huge flood of, of rain, a deluge. And then the, you know, the ground is so soft and supple, you can just easily pull it out. Or even when you, uh, you, know, you hear and chant yourself, then you'll have the wherewithal to pull out the anartas because the problem is weakness of heart. Pridaya Dharbalyam, uh, Haridas Thakur says that there's this weakness that I, I, I know the anart is there, but I just think, ah, I'll leave it because I need that. I'll save it for later. And I'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to, you know, I'll ignore it now because I, 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 I actually have an attachment to it. This is a kind of weakness. So the rain means spiritual strength. And then, you know, we have the wherewithal to pull it out. And it comes out much easier then when you're in the association of devotees. And you figure like, why? I'd rather be like these people. I don't want to be like my old self. I want to be like these people. And then it's, it's easier to pull it right out. Like, you know, say if you're, at, you're staying in the Dham and you're there with advanced devotees and you just become overwhelmed by the feeling like this is right. This is the right thing. And then, you know, those Anartas, you just say, forget it. Yeah. You know, I'm taking it out now. 
So that's the big rain. Thank or you. Or even Thank small you. rain helps too. Big rain, small rain, it's all good. As it says in this purport, Prabhupada pointing out that even abhasa rupa, that's the very, very beginning of devotional service. It's just when you feel like I, I like devotees, I think this is, a, they're cool. This is the right thing. It's nice. Even then it makes it nihara'i uh, vabhaskara. That's the sun coming out. And it can, even at that stage, Ajiva Goswami, uh, the most scholarly of all the acharyas is saying that that, that the anarchas are going to come out then too. Thank you for your question, Shraddha. Yeah, thank you, Maharaj, for the answer. Okay. <laughs> Maharaj, I had a question. Oh, yes, please. To the follow-up question. So when we when we say that we take it out, take out the weeds, is this that, that I'm praying to the Lord, that, oh, Lord, please um, remove that uh, negative feeling in my heart? How do I really believe that my weed is taken out? Well, one thing is... Uh, you, you, we pray to the Lord, uh, you know, please, uh, please help me take it out. And he's, um, he's there as the Vidunoti. It's one of Krishna's names. He helps us to pull these things out. But there is, there will come a moment of truth. As living entities, we're also powerful. And we also have volition. And we have to make a decision. And the, the, the decision we have to know is consequential. And so when that decision time comes, we have to have momentum and strength and, and good association so that we'll say, okay, I'm going to do it now. And it's not nothing. It's everything, actually. So there is 50% Krishna is helping in every way, but he also wants to see us make our own decision because he's given us might of independence. And when we do make that decision that I'm going to do this, that's a... Um, that's a big step forward in devotional service. So we should be preparing for those times when the decision has to come and then we'll have the strength to make the right decision. In fact, in the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali mentions that when you make such decisions to do the right thing, even though you have a choice right in that moment, you, you have the choice to do the right thing and you do it. He said that leaves a, a very uh, powerful uh, samskar in your, in your mind that you can build on. That becomes part of your personality. And um, then you get more and more um, active in moving in that direction until that becomes your, you know, your main purpose in life. And, you're, and we're not waylaid by the, by the um, anartas that pull us down. Tadarajas tamobhava kamalubadeyasche we become stitam, we get fixed. You know, we come to this nishta point and then uh, we can see for ourselves that we're not being pushed around anymore by the, by the lower modes of nature. I hope that helps. Thank you so much. That's very, very helpful. Hare Krishna. Dainiti Prabhu is weighing in. We must remember that each and every decision we make is consequential. Yeah. That means discrimination. That's vivek, as a awakening of di of discrimination in our mind that we we're aware of consequences, and this is how a yogi thinks. A yogi is always aware that whatever I, I'm doing or thinking has a consequence, and therefore is very careful about how he or she moves around in the in this uh, very sticky environment of the material world. 
And let's see, we have Radha Venkat Prabhu to everyone. Hare Krishna reminds me of Krishna Surya Sama Maya Hai Andakar. Yahan Krishna Tahanahi Maya Adhikar. You can tattoo that one on your arm. And uh, remember that if you stay um, always in Krishna, then you're always in the sun and there'll be no darkness. That's how to drive it away. And let's see. Um, it is quite amazing. Just a, a slight tinge of devotional service, Abasta. And now I should perform the austerity of voluntarily giving up sense gratification. Shradadevi went Mont Blanc. And Sham Jagannath, the point is very hope giving. Bhakti Devi is very merciful. Even if one has a desire to commit sinful actions, the roots of that desire are vanquished merely by Abhasa uh, Rupa Bhakti. And in Nectar of Instruction, the purport of the first verse, Prabhupada explains, real atonement is only coming to knowledge by devotional service. Raksha and Barsha, Hare Krishna, um, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. What are those weeds? Can we please name a few as examples? Thank you. Yes, um, the weeds are mentioned by um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He gives a catalog of these weeds. And you can find them. Here, let me give you. Uh, go to, let's see. You go to uh, 19.159, Madhya 19.159. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Maharaj, Madhya. Yeah, Madhya 19.159. Okay. This verse uh, says, Nida chara kuti nati jiva himsana lava puja pratishtadi jatta upashaka gana. Some unnecessary creepers. Are you going there? Yeah. Some unnecessary creepers growing with the bhakti creeper are the creepers of behavior unacceptable for those trying to attain perfection, diplomatic behavior, animal killing, mundane profiteering, mundane adoration, and mundane importance. All these are unwanted creepers. Purport. There is a certain pattern of behavior prescribed for those actually trying to become perfect in our Krishna consciousness movement we advise all our students not to eat meat, not to gamble, not to engage in illicit sex, and not to engage in intoxication. People who indulge in these activities can never become perfect. Therefore, these regulative principles are for those interested in becoming perfect and going back to Godhead. 
kutinati or diplomatic behavior cannot satisfy the atma, the soul. It cannot even satisfy the body or the mind. The culprit mind is always suspicious. Therefore, our dealings should always be straightforward and approved by Vedic authorities. If we treat people diplomatically or duplicitously, our spiritual advancement is obstructed. Jiva Himsana refers to the killing of animals or to envy of other living entities. The killing of poor animals is undoubtedly due to envy of those animals. The human form is meant for the understanding of Krishna consciousness, the Tato Brahma Jignata, for inquiring about the Supreme Brahman. In the human form, everyone has a chance to understand the Supreme Brahman. The so-called leaders of human society do not know the real aim of human life and therefore are therefore busy with economic development. This is misleading. Every state and every society is busy trying to improve the quality of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. This human form of life is meant for more than these four animal principles. Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending are problems found in the animal kingdom, and the animals have solved these problems without difficulty. Why should human society be so busy trying to solve these problems? The difficulty is that people are not educated to understand this simple philosophy. They think that advancement of civilization means decreasing sense gratification. There are many religious propagandists who do not know how the ultimate problems of life can be solved, and they also try to educate people in the form of sense gratification. This is also jiva himsana. Real knowledge is not given, and religions, religionists mislead the general populace. As far as material prophets are concerned, one should know that whatever material prophet one has must be abandoned at the time of death. Unfortunately, people do not know that there is life after death. Therefore, mundane people waste their time amassing material profit, which has to be left behind at the time of death. Such profit has no eternal benefit. Simply adoration by mundane people is valueless because after death, one has to accept another body. Material adoration and titles are decorations that cannot be carried over to the next body. In the next life, everything is forgotten. All these obstructions have been described in this verse as unwanted creepers. They simply present obstacles for the real creeper, the bhakti lata. One should be very careful to avoid all these unwanted things. Sometimes these unwanted creepers look exactly like the bhakti creeper. They appear to be of the same size and the same species when they are packed together with the bhakti creeper. But in spite of this, the creepers are all upashaka. A pure devotee can distinguish between the bhakti creeper and the mundane creeper, and he is very alert to distinguish from them and keep them separate. So there you go, uh, Barsha and Raksha. There's a a, a, a small list, but there's a bigger list in the um, cleanse the, of the Gundicha temple, in which uh, there are long, there's a long, long purport and the categor, categorization of the various kinds of weeds that grow in the garden. So you have to be careful. Thank you, Maharaj. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, Naimashanya Prabhu says that sometimes weeds are intertwined uh, with the plants that you're trying to grow, so you have to be very careful. And 
What if you aren't able, Kevala Bhakti Prabhu, what if you aren't able to identify the difference between a weed and the plant itself? Can you please elaborate about who can help us and how we can make ourselves open to getting help identifying those weeds? This is where association is very important because when uh, we get association with those uh, we give permission to, uh, to chastise us, a good chastisement can be very uh, edifying. Uh, there's a way we can settle into new normals all the time and start feeling at home with our anartas. But if there's somebody who um, is on a higher standard of devotional service uh, and we, we submit ourselves and then that person says, hey, knock it off. You know, you're doing something that's going to be harmful to you, you know, that can uh, wake us up to have a different perspective and say, oh, I need to clean my act up. And, uh, um, you know, that was a weed after all. And sometimes, in fact, the, the, the normal condition in the material world is that uh, people don't want to see their anartas. They just accept them as, uh, this is me, because they don't know the difference between the soul and the body. In fact, the soul in the material world is asleep. Here's how, here's how asleep the soul is in the material world. Krishna comes and walks on the planet. And there are, uh, most of the people who see him walking around on the planet don't recognize him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's here, right on the planet, walking. And people uh, deny that he's God. And sim similarly, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he walked with his associates through different towns and villages, and some people criticized his chanting, and they didn't see that he was God, because the living entity in the material world has this propensity to be an illusion and wants to stay asleep and wants to maintain anartas and thinks that anartas are good and wants to maintain them. Just like right now, one of the main concerns that people in America have is how will I keep eating meat? Even though the writing is on the wall that this is causing a, a huge problem for the whole earth and for people's health and so forth. But no, no, I have to keep this anartha of eating meat and uh, we'll send government troops, we'll have people die to keep processing meat so that everyone can keep eating it. We can keep killing animals. Otherwise, uh, how will we survive? And that's how deep-rooted it becomes. So we have to be submissive and continually subject ourselves to the scrutiny of what the Shastra says and see how we match up to it. And also the, the sadhus who are following the process. If we can take association with those um, who are in that position, it can actually uh, awaken us because we feel their subtle attachment to Krishna and we see also how they're not interested in anartas anymore. And the things that we thought were important start seeming insignificant in their presence. So there's a couple of thoughts. And if you just sharpen your intellect also and decide that you'll be looking out for anartas and you'll try to extract them when you see them, just like a good gardener, don't let your garden go. Because once you do, it's really hard to get it back again. So be really vigilant and decide ahead of time that it's a good idea to weed it. Srivata Prabhu, he says, this Srimad Bhagavatam 
verse further emphasizes a realization I've had recently. Devotional service is a process of no excuses. I have to be completely honest with myself and not make excuses if I want to guarantee steady progress. Krishna and the Acharyas are so accommodating and so merciful, they've kindly provided for a way to guarantee progress in any situation that I cannot than I can possibly be in. Yeah, and this is the mood of somebody advancing in devotional service that I want to be serious. And I, I'm really looking at it carefully. And then Krishna will uh, feel free to um, reveal things to us that do more like this, do more like that. Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam tadami buddhi yogam tam yinamamupayandite. He assists us when he sees that this is what I want. I really want to uh, make progress, and he'll give us that vision. Divyangi says, um, how to understand that not everyone can come to Krishna consciousness. I've heard a lot from the lectures that we are, we all are ready devotees, just covered by illusion, but this material, by this material body. Thank you for a great class. Um, yeah, well, Prabhupada quotes, Manushanam Sahasre Shu Kashid Yatati Sidhaye, and that is that out of many thousands among men, one may endeavor for, for perfection, and of those who have achieved perfection, hardly one knows me in truth. So even among those who are interested spiritually, we see that very few people come to the conclusion that they should engage in devotional service and it's sincere enough to get a Vaishnava guru and so forth. So it, it's rare in this world. And... Um, in the nectar of devotion, we have the six qualities of devotional service. And one of them is that it's rarely achieved. And Rupa Goswami explains that it's rarely achieved because in order to come to the point of pure devotional service, and that's what we're talking about here, one has to come to asakti first. And to get to asakti, you first have to come to ruchi. And before you get to ruchi, you have to come to nishta. And before you go that, you have to go through anarta nivriti, which means uh, battling with the anartas. And if you keep going backwards, you know, you first have to come in contact with a pure devotee and, you know, have some awakening. So there's a process that one has to go through. And he says, does Rupa Goswami, that uh, asakti means like a, a real attachment to the process. Asakti means attachment. So attachment means an attachment to making advancement. You really got to want it a lot. It's got to be a deep attachment, just like people in material pursuits. If they want to come to the top level, they have to really be attached to the idea. They can't be willy-nilly, oh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. A lot of couch potatoes talking about perfection, but they don't actually get there because they're not attached. So he says it's rare to, for somebody to achieve this level of attachment to wanting to advance in devotional service. Therefore, it's rare for somebody to come to bhava. And uh, first you got to get asakti, then you get bhava, and then you can come to prema. So um, it's rare because of that. That doesn't mean, however, that every living entity doesn't have the a dormancy of prema, nitis siddha krishna prema sadhya kabunoi, shravanadi shuddha chitti karu udoi, that Prabhupada translated this verse and commented upon it, saying that, that there's a dormancy of love uh, within every living entity, 
and it can be awakened by proper association, that's why we preach. That's why we, we take the trouble to uh, make this available. Anybody can wake up because the soul is tatasta and therefore uh, can be influenced by uh, a very strong um, devotee who teaches Krishna consciousness says, no, do it like this. And one can change and, and go that direction. So anybody can be awakened also. But then we see even amongst those who are practicing devotional service, you know, some uh, hover around an art and a vritti a uh, whole lifetime, you know. Uh, even they don't, uh, they get to Shraddha and they don't take the Bhajana Kriya. They'll just like, yeah, it's good enough. I appreciate Krishna and so forth, but they don't want to get initiated and take a vow and say, I'm really going to do this. And then when they get to an art and a vritti, a lot of people stumble and they go back, you know, grow your hair out and uh, hang out and, you know, just uh, be a has-been and uh, maybe take it up in the next life. So this is K-chit. It means, you know, it's a serious process. So it's not that everyone suddenly wakes up uh, and goes for the whole thing because it's not a cheap process. Krishna is not so cheap. You have to, you have to pay, you have to be all in in order to come to um, Prema Bhakti. Okay, anything else? Dhanavari, there you are. Yes, Krishna. Uh, would you, uh, please accept my humble obeisances. Um, would you please talk about um, diplomatic talk as a weed? Not being straightforward uh, more, I didn't understand, please. Well, in the Gita, Krishna says, Icha dvesha samutena dvandva mohena bharata. That everybody's born into this world, each dvesha, with this idea of they want, they're willful, they want their way, and dvesha, they're against what other people say. This is a polarization that takes place because of a contamination by the modes of material nature. My mind's conditioned to think in a certain way. And I want it to go that way. And I try to avoid it going the other way. This is a kind of illusion. It's the condition, conditional nature of this material world that people get in that polarized state of mind. And so once we get into that, then we can go for superficial items that don't relate to the nine processes of devotional service and become involved in um, trying to position ourselves so that um, we get what we want and we avoid what we don't want as far as our mind and our senses and our ideas of, of what's right and wrong. Uh, those who want to go deeper in devotional service, they uh, are very careful about getting involved in petty uh, politics even in the realm of the Krishna consciousness movement, although some things are obviously to maintain a movement itself, there has, there has to be some standard it has to be maintained. But one has to be careful about um, becoming fully absorbed in these things. What to speak of worldly politics? We see sometimes people become so overly concerned with the politics of, of the mundane world. And this is also a waste of time uh, for devotees because um, unless you're running for president or something like that. And uh, Prabhupada backed off on that. He had a political party in God We Trust party. Some devotees were interested in it. And Prabhupada saw that they were, you know, 
it takes a lot of work to put yourself out there politically, especially nowadays. It's a joke because the electorate is so uneducated and so degraded that they have no idea of what a, a leader looks like. We have um, uh, Srinivas Prasad Das said, thank you very thank much. You oh, you're quite welcome, Dhanavari. Truly grateful. Can you please help us in understanding Bhagavad Gita 326 when we are giving JOSD class? What does that mean? So 326, how can we understand that? What is the meaning? And Sringara Ras, uh, Hare Krishna Sringara Ras says, when an artanavriti is so long and painful process, then is it even possible to achieve the perfection of life and develop for the Lord in one lifetime? Oh yeah, it's very possible. One can uh, overcome an artanavriti. You just have to be um, determined. As Rupa Goswami gives the six items, utsaha nischaya dharyat tat tat karma pavartanat, sangha tyagat shatovrite shadbir bhakti prasidyati, there are six items that guarantee the complete success of devotional service. And those are utsaha nishchaya daryat. There's enthusiasm, patience, determination, following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas, performing the different kinds of devotional service and avoiding a bad association. And by doing that, one is assured of success. And um, even if you don't, uh, see it and completely in one lifetime if you give a full contribution the best you can in this lifetime you're set up for uh, moving forward uh, even in your next life so that you're getting so close that you're practically in the leela in fact probably the fact that you're in krishna consciousness movement now which is lord chaitanya's movement means that you came really close in your last lifetime that's why you're in this movement now, getting trained up in the, in the very um, specific mode you are now for a transfer back to Godhead. So uh, just be very determined, and Anartya Nirvriti, Krishna will help you if you attend to the um, details of devotional service on a daily basis and don't become hopeless, then uh, you'll come to the perfectional stage without a doubt. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, Maharaj, um, you mentioned that attachment to uh, progress in spiritual life is asakti and it doesn't come easy. So on that note, I thought about uh, just last week uh, in morning Shraddhamas class, she mentioned that um, the barometer of determining if you're making progress in spiritual life is how you're handling miseries. And that's why the advanced devotees, they can handle miseries so much better. So so I have been like clinging to it and processing this all this week because I have a standard response when miseries come and affect, affect my life. And so I'm like, I'm telling myself or I'm uh, asking myself, what am I doing differently, which is appropriate for a devotee? And how can I tell myself that, yes, I'm making progress. So that was my hugest takeaway. And I wanted to share. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a, Valid point in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Yamhi Navyatayam Te Purusham Purusharshapa, that uh, a devotee is, becomes qualified, Amritat by a Kalpate, to actually be uh, fully absorbed in devotional service by 
of becoming equal in happiness and distress. And this is something he mentions throughout the Bhagavad Gita, to, that one should practice that. Okay, so I just want to read a verse or two from the uh, seventh canto. Does anybody know where we are now? 33, text 33. Could you repeat that, please? Text 33. Of which uh, chapter? 7th, 7533. 7 what? 7533. 7533. Sorry, Manisha. 7533. We're continuing our reading, 7533 from the Srimad Bhagavatam 7th Canto. After Prahlad Maharaj had spoken in this way and become Hiranyakashipu, blinded by anger, threw him off his lap and onto the ground. Indignant and angry, his reddish eyes like molten copper, Hiranyakashipu said to his servants, O demons, take this boy away from me. He deserves to be killed. Kill him as soon as possible. This boy, Prahlad, is the killer of my brother, for he has given up his family to engage in the devotional service of the enemy, Lord Vishnu, like a menial servant. Purport. Hiranyakashipu considered his son, Prahlad Maharaj, to be the killer of his brother because Prahlad Maharaj was engaged in the devotional service of Lord Vishnu. In other words, Prahlad Maharaj would be elevated to Sarupya liberation, and in that sense, he resembled Lord Vishnu. Therefore, Prahlad was to be killed by Hiranyakashipu. Devotees, Vaishnavas, attain the liberation of Sarupya, Salokya, Sarshti, and Samipya, whereas the Mayavadis are supposed to attain the liberation known as Sayuja. Sayuja Mukti, however, is not very secure, whereas Sarupya Mukti, Salokya Mukti, Sarshti Mukti, and Samipya Mukti are most certain. Although the servants of Lord Vishnu, Narayan, and the Vaikuntha planets are equally situated with the Lord, the devotees there know very well that the Lord is the master, whereas they are the servants. Uh, text 36. Although Prahlad is only five years old, even at this young age, he has given up his affectionate relationship with his father and mother. Therefore, he is certainly untrustworthy. Indeed, it is not at all believable that he will behave well toward Vishnu. Although a medicinal herb being born in the forest does not belong to the same category as a man, if beneficial, it is kept very carefully. Similarly, if someone outside one's family is favorable, he should be given protection like a son. On the other hand, if a limb of one's body is poisoned by disease, it must be amputated so that the rest of the body may live happily. Similarly, even one's own son, if unfavorable, must be rejected, although born of one's own body. For Port Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has instructed all devotees of the Lord to be humbler than the grass and more tolerant than trees. Otherwise, there, is always, there will always be disturbances to the execution of their devotional service. Here is a vivid example of how a devotee is disturbed by a non-devotee even though the non-devotee is an affectionate father. 
The material world is such that a non-devotee father becomes an enemy of a devotee son. Having determined to kill even his son, Hiranyakashipu gave the example of amputating a part of one's body that has become septic and therefore injurious to the rest of the body. Same example, of course, may also be applied to non-devotees. Chanakya Pandit advises, Tyaja Durjana Samsargam Bhaja Sadhu Samagamam. Devotees actually serious about advancing in spiritual life should give up the company of non-devotees and always keep company with the devotees. To be too attached to material existence is ignorance because material existence is temporary and miserable. Therefore, devotees who are determined to perform tapasya, penance and austerities, to realize the self, and who are determined to become advanced in spiritual consciousness, must give up the company of atheistic non-devotees. Prahlad Maharaj maintained an attitude of non-cooperation with the philosophy of his father, Hiranyakashipu, yet he was tolerant and humble. Hiranyakashipu, however, being a non-devotee, was so polluted that he was even prepared to kill his own son. He justified this by putting forward the logic of of amputation. This is a really important sentence. Um, Prahlad Maharaj maintained an attitude of non-cooperation with the philosophy of his father, Hirani Kashipu, yet he was tolerant and humble. That's an interesting balancing act. And this, in one's heart, one has no intention of cooperating with uh, the demoniac spirit of the material world, but he remains tolerant and humble. And uh, a devotee knows that the Lord is fully aware of his intention in his heart. And that's why Rupa Goswami says that, you know, I continue to hope for uh, the Lord's mercy. And this is Tate Anukampam Susumik Shimano. The devotee is always in this position of hoping for the Lord's uh, full mercy because the devotee knows that he's maintaining in his heart, in her heart, the intention to fully surrender to the Lord. And meanwhile, part of remaining humble and tolerant is remaining humble, humble and tolerant of one's own inefficiencies and uh, devotional service, or one's deficiencies, that is. That is that uh, I may not be fully able to practice uh, the, at the level I want to, but I do want to. And therefore, at that, at that position, one can't get discouraged and think, well, Anarta Nivriti is too long. It may seem like we're swimming in the middle of the ocean and we don't know when the shore is going to come. But we have to take um, shelter of the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In fact, we'll find in the teachings that uh, Sanatan Goswami receives from Lord Jaitanya, Mahaprabhu quotes from... Uh, um, from Akrura, and Akrura mentions that we're like logs floating in a river uh, perpetually, but sometimes uh, or eventually those logs uh, come out of the river and they rest on the dry ground. And he said, we've been floating in this material current for so long, but uh, there is a time that we will come to the shore. And we should know that for sure. And as soon as one gets an inkling for devotional service and you get association with devotees, you should know you're very close. And therefore, uh, you should remain tolerant, even tolerating your own deficiency in devotional service and going on 
with uh, the feeling of non-cooperation with Maya. I'm not going to cooperate. I'm going to go on with my principles of devotional service, even though Maya keeps presenting opportunities. I'm just not cooperating. I remember once when I when I was in high school, and uh, I had decided that I wanted to live a completely spiritual life, and so I was trying to find direction. And there was a Spanish teacher at school named Mr. King, and he was a Buddhist, and he used to teach. Um, Buddhism at his house nearby the school. And uh, I had already started reading the Bhagavad Gita. And then, uh, I, you know, Krishna said you should offer your food. So in my own way, I had no idea how to do it. I was offering whatever I would eat, bite by bite, actually, <laughs> offering to. And so then, you know, I had that in my mind. And I went to, I went to uh, this uh, class that Mr. King was going to give on Buddhist meditation. And I got there early and he he told me you have to eat before you meditate. You take some. Uh, he took some bread, and some. He was putting like peanut butter or something on it, and he said, "Here, you should eat this." And I, and I started offering it, like you know, saying some mantra. And he goes, "No, you don't offer it. You just eat it." And I said, "No, I have to offer it." And he said, "No, just eat." And I said, "Forget it." I threw the bread down, and I walked out. And I was thinking as I walked out, no, I'm going to cooperate with Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. He said, offer it. So I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, Maya is always going to present some alternative, alternative philosophy, this, that. So we have to be fortified in what Krishna's idea is and say, yeah, I'm cooperating with that. And that constitutes our non-cooperation with Maya. And that actually feels good to be a rebel against Maya because we've been a rebel against Krishna and it hasn't worked out very well, has it? So, you know, getting that determination that even though I'm way down in a hole, I'm, I'm confident that by not, not cooperating with my captors, Maya, uh, and only cooperating with Krishna, he's going to pull me out of here. Let's see, we had Bhaktilata. In Bhagavad Gita 272, Purport Prabhupada writes that one can attain Krishna consciousness within a second. Can you please explain that? Well, there's a story in the Bhagavad Sandarbha, or rather the Bhakti Sandarbha, about um, a uh, very wealthy uh, merchant, and he's going about his business very intent on earning lots of money, Lal Babu. And because he had had previous association with sadhus, there was this uh, bhakti unmukhi sukriti in his heart. So one day when he's walking down the street, he heard um, this uh, mother calling to uh, her daughter and saying, yeah, come home now, come home. And when he heard that, it sparked that uh, sukriti that he had in his heart. And he thought, hey, why am I trying so hard here in the material world? I should be trying to go back to home, back to Godhead. And then he um, changed his course in life just in, in one second. So there's a way that by performing devotional service in one life, in the next life, you have purva samskar. And this is something Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita when he tells Arjuna that because of purva samskar, association with the yoga process in a previous life, in this life, without even seeking it, it will come into one's mental system and one will think, yeah, this is what I should be doing. And then we see people suddenly uh, dedicate themselves to the process of devotional service. 
So because of continuation of that, uh, we notice that someone can uh, suddenly wake up to, to the very serious practice of devotional service and be on the path of liberation uh, within just a moment. So we, we, as we're practicing and are fully aware of the opportunity, we should take full advantage of it while we can because the effects will be a long term. Muchukunda Maharaj, 1051-53, Govinda Prabhu, Gaurav, oh yeah, let's look at that, 1051-53 from Govinda Prabhu, he always has good verses. That's a Bhagavatam, of course. Dainiti Prabhu says, I unfortunately have been trying to defend you on Facebook regarding BBT edits, and my mind does not allow me to focus on my rounds this morning. I could only think of what I was going to write next. The only reason I mentioned this is to avoid controversy. Please, uh, next one is, uh, you talked about some jivas getting stuck on different stages of an artanivriti and that the process is uh, not so cheap. Your honesty uh, and in giving the straight sauce was really helpful. And um, welcome uh, to Mira. Uh, for uh, joining us on this class. Okay, so this is a verse from um, the Muchakunda, and he says, when the material life, oh, this is very important. In fact, this verse is quoted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Sanatana Goswami, and he's describing that uh, when the soul comes to the end of his sojourn in the material world, he says, when the material life of a wandering soul has ceased, O Achuta, he may attain the association of your devotees. And when he associates with them, there awakens in him devotion unto you, who are the goal of the devotees and the Lord of all causes and their effects. Uh, purport. Acharyas Jiva Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravarti agree on the following point. Although it is stated here that when material life ceases, one attains the association of devotees. In fact, it is the association of the Lord's devotees that enables one to transcend material existence. Srila Jiva Goswami explains this apparent inversion of sequence by quoting the Kavya Prakash as follows, Karya, Karanayoscha, Parva Parya, Viparya Yo, Vignita Tishya Yotisya, a statement in which the logical order of a cause and its effect is reversed should be understood as Ati, ati Shayokti, emphasis by extreme assertion. Srila Jiva Goswami cites the following commentary on this statement. Karanasya uh, shigra karitam vaktum karas karyasya purvam uktau to express the swift action of a cause one may assert the result before the cause. In this connection, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur points out that the merciful association of the Lord's devotees makes possible our determination to become Krishna conscious and the Acharya agrees with Srila Jiva Goswami that this verse is an instance of Ati Shayokti. Um, uh, we have uh, Bhakta Alex, non-cooperation with Maya. Yes, we're in the non-cooperation movement. And Vinidita Buniya, can you please help me understand the soul that is present in Vaikuntha has subtle body or not? Spiritual body. In the material world, we have a gross body 
a, a material body that's made of gross matter and subtle matter. But in the spiritual world, we have a fully spiritual body, just like Krishna's uh, fully spiritual body, Sakchit Ananda. There's no material uh, part to it. The senses are spiritual and uh, it is a fully spiritual body. So it is beyond the subtle body of the material world. Okay. Maharaj, I have a question. Um, yes. Um, Maharaj, we were um, just a second. Maharaj, you were talking about Hiranyakashipu, um, and I was thinking that this here is the demon who is willing to kill his son and justify it, and at the same time he is also a, a, a devotee who has been sent down to play a certain part in Leela. The more we read the Srimad Bhagavatam, we kind of get to a point where we feel like the the when I started there was a very clear distinction between good and evil good behavior, bad behavior, consequence. And then while we keep reading the Bhagavatam, it kind of gets blurred and you're not quite sure what's going on, you know? Is it, is it that I don't have a good perspective or is there really no clear difference? Because here's a devotee and he's doing atrocious behavior. And then there's Putana and Krishna forgives her. And these blends are, are difficult for me to um, understand. Can you explain them to me? Well, Krishna's all good. And those who come in contact with Krishna, they become purified. Now, in the case of, of uh, the Leela of Jai and Vijay, there is this intermixing. Krishna is showing uh, through interacting with his devotees who are acting as demons. He's showing, giving the various lessons and he's attracting our minds by the Leela and so forth. And so there's uh, this... Uh, very interesting uh, nuance that comes in in the Leela of Jai and Vijay, and they come three times into the world as was agreed upon. And in this uh, Leela of Hiranyakashipu, we find uh, various um, hints of this in the Leela of, of how actually Krishna is interacting with his devotees. So, for instance, after Lord Nishingadev kills Hiranyakashipu, then he goes and sits on the throne of Hiranyakashipu. And the question arises then, how could he sit on the throne of a, of a demon who is so impure? Wow, the Lord, he needs his own throne, you know, that's brand new. And so then Vishnu Chakravartitakur answers and he says, he does it out of affection for Jai, because this is the, his devotee he sat on here. Even though it was Hiranyakashipu, actually it was, it was one of his devotees from Vaikuntha, whom he's very uh, fond of. And so he shows, I sat, I sat on the, the throne of, of my devotee. And then, you know, we have other instances when he's pulling out the heart of Hiranyakashipu. He's thinking, well, how, how could these impurities have come into the heart of my devotee? How did he allow them in here? So you get this intermixture of the, uh, the, the actual lila and the, and the external lesson that's taking place there. So that becomes um, what Queen Kunti says, Maya Jabani Kachanam Ajnad Hoksa Jamabdhyayam Nalakshase Muradrisha Nato Nakya Daroyata. She said, I, You're just like an actor on a stage. And, and on the stage, you know, the actor's performing a dance or a play, and then uh, you don't recognize who it is. And, what all the characters are and so forth. But there are ways, there's distinctions as well, because we find that uh, those who thought of Krishna when he 
when they were being killed by him, they saw him, they thought him, they appreciated something about him, then they attained instant liberation. But Shukadev Goswami makes a distinction, and he says that um, Vena, Vena was so atheistic that he didn't uh, regard the Lord at all. He just totally, totally pushed the idea of God away, and he didn't become angry at Krishna, or he just said, no, I'm God, and there is no God. So then Shukadev Goswami mentions Shishupal got liberation. All these other demons got liberation because at least they were angry at Krishna or they hated Krishna. Kama dvesha bayasnehad yata bhakteshvare manaha. So this is uh, at the very beginning of the seventh canto. He says that, um, you know, by, uh, by, the, by these... Um, emotions of hatred towards Krishna, towards lust towards, towards about Krishna and so forth, or bhakti, you know, then one attains perfection. But then he says, but, um, but Vena, he didn't get it. <laughs> Vena didn't get anything because, because he avoided Krishna completely. He didn't think of him, he didn't become angry with him and so forth. So one principle is there that if you come in contact with Krishna one way or another, then you become purified and uh, you get uh, liberated. And uh, ultimately, uh, that transcends all morality as well. So, you know, that's there in the Leela as well. Uh, what's considered ethical in the material world, even Bhagavad Gita, we get that, because there's a way in which um, Arj Arjuna was waxing um, uh, uh, with his moral principles and ethics and so forth but then he came uh, uh, to krishna and then krishna says yeah it sounds really good what you're saying but you know you don't know what you're talking about because you're taking the perspective of a conditioned person and seeing you know in relative terms but you have to understand that you're the soul so it, it transcends that krishna consciousness transcends that those ethics although he later on says you know, for the sake of leading people on the right path, you have to maintain the semblance of, of a decorum in the material world. Does that help? Yes, Maharaj. Actually, Thank you when, for such a penetrating and good question. Actually, Maharaj, when, we, when you think of Jai and Vijay going through all this, it reminded me a lot of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Ashrishya Padarasthampinashtumam. You know, they are willing to take anything for the, for the pleasure of the Lord. They go to being demons. They suffer it all, and then the Lord comes and takes them home again. It's very sweet. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Yeah, very sweet. That's good. If you're tasting the sweetness of the, the hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, then you're very well situated.